to the bucket problem episode 22 i did remember to write it down this time uh we are presented as always by homefield apparel and our new sponsor points bet uh final score from last weekend because yes we are uh deigning to cover this football game despite the fact that it was uh exceedingly boring uh michigan 29 indiana 7 um we're going to do big moods with Connor and Dan in a moment here. Um, but first we had uh, a greater big mood that came up in our uh, pre-recording conversation. And uh, I had actually kind of, um, I don't know, I, I think compartmentalized this, uh, tried to memory hole it like as soon as I saw it. Uh, so I just want to give a, a sincere fuck you to the big 10 for this goddamn Michigan State apology that I absolutely will not read. This does nothing for me except make me mad. Just amen, brother. <laughs> oh my God. Don't well, it's so, a rivalry game. Like so just, uh, so I'm sorry. Did did we did I know Harbaugh said that he got an apology or like at least an acknowledgement. Was that apology did the did the official apology from the Big Ten was that real? Because I saw there was a fake one going around Twitter. It's um, possible that I mean I I really am being honest when I say like I refuse to investigate further because yeah, it just fine. makes me mad. <laughs> but my, my only apologize to Harbaugh <laughs> in like in general like if if this happened and I like I assume it did because at this point if it hadn't there would be some statement from the Big Ten saying Jim Harbaugh is full of shit and we did not do this uh, and I have not seen any such thing so I assume he did get an apology in some form <laughs> and fuck. That's that's what I got. Fuck. Yeah. So so I, my my only comment on on all the whole refs thing is like, look, I, I think that I don't think ever that like refs are really trying to like screw Michigan over. I think they're mostly just bad at their jobs, and yes. like sometimes it happens to screw one team over, and it does feel like Michigan generally like has gotten screwed over in some of their bigger games over the past couple of years. Um, and uh, you know, I know there's the counter argument that like, look, Michigan had that had opportunities to put the game away regardless of, you know, what happened there. Um, and honestly, you know, like that's both true, true and I both can be true. Right. And like, but it's, it's, then you're basically saying like, well, Michigan only deserves to win if they play a perfect game. Right. And that's not the case, you know, like plenty of teams make plenty of mistakes. I mean, Michigan state made mistakes too, you know? So it's, it's just, it is frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm mostly like, I'm mostly over it because I think like, you know, the, the, the year is still going pretty well and there's still a chance for them to play Ohio state for the uh, East title. Um, but you know, like it's, I, I do get like, a, I do get a little bit annoyed when it's like, Oh, like, you know, you shouldn't like, it's so, you know, unbecoming for Michigan fans to complain about the refs. And it's like, I don't know, man, like they took, they literally took four points off the board in a four point game. Like, any fan base in the country would be like up in arms about this and Michigan and Harbaugh are, you know, are right to be, I mean, you know, it's not going to change the outcome. Michigan still won the game fair or Michigan state still won the game fair and square. And, you know, that'll never like, you know, (laughs) yeah. Fair and square is is overstating it, (laughs) but they'll, but they'll, that's kind of what what they'll never, they'll never take, yeah. They'll never take the W, you know, away. So it's like, it's none of that changes. Right. But it's like, yeah, like, I think that you should be able to acknowledge that like, yeah, the refs certainly wrongly impacted the outcome of the game. So you know, whatever. I, I mean, you don't have to make a rational argument for this, Dan, because like if, if <laughs> Michigan State had lost the game on that call, like they would be 10 times, 100 times worse than we are right now because they would turn it into a vast like QAnon level conspiracy. And we know that. And I know that some Michigan fans like to do that. Like there's some Michigan fans 
make half-hearted gestures towards like the Big Ten tries to screw over Michigan. We all kind of know that's not really true because the two most important like institutions in the Big Ten by far are Michigan and Ohio State. Um, but like, you're totally right. Any other fan base we've met about this, including Ohio State, and especially including Michigan State, the yes. biggest chip on the shoulder having for him in the conference, obviously. Yeah. There are no real conspiracies in officiating besides the 2016 Ohio State game, which <laughs> is the that's the only game that I will ever be like, no, that like, look, Michigan's got screwed plenty of times. Michigan has, you know, probably been on the receiving end of some of some, you know, favorable calls plenty, plenty of times. Um, but the 2016 Ohio State game, that's the one where, look, all I'm saying is do a little bit of your own of your own research on that one. <laughs> Um, look up Dan, some Dan YouTube videos. A, 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 uh, pin There's some YouTube channels, yeah. Uh, with a uh, with a blown up photo of that not, ref not one, Weber on the butt. Not one, but two of those officials were barred from doing Ohio State games. Besides, for one, for some reason, that specific game. Um, so that's all I'm saying about that. That's that was that was that was an all time ref job. Um, that's the only one I'll ever I'll ever truly bitch about. Okay, now now that we have uh, donned our tinfoil hats for a moment, uh, <laughs> we can remove them and discuss this Indiana game. Uh, Dan, I'm actually going to kick it right back to you because you have like the mood that we need to just get out of the way because it loomed over this entire game, which for some godforsaken reason kicked off after 7:30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not original in saying that, so I won't belabor the point too much, but something needs to be done about the stadium experience in general. So um, I actually, you know, this was the first game that uh, uh, my girlfriend Katie uh, saw with me, you know, at the big house um, and, you know, real overall great time, great tailgate, you know, spending time with family and friends, all that. Um, and even the game experience, you know, like once you got past the, the, the commercial breaks was still fun. Um, but so first of all, the, the ticket situation, like we literally got squeezed through like a cattle, like prodding, uh, like doors to get into the stadium. It was ridiculous. <laughs> they, we, it took us like 20 minutes to get into the stadium through one of the gates. Um, I don't know if they were just like checking, doing did, a new I did check. I see that, some tweets about like, apparently they, they might've been short staffed on the number of people they just had at the gates. It was tough to tell, but it did seem like if there yeah. were serious delays getting in all i'm saying that it is like it was honestly kind of scary like in the moment you know especially with recent events i'm not going to go too into detail with that um but like it was a very very packed and like pretty you know if things got a little bit more out of hand or there was a little bit more alcohol involved like could have escalated into a dangerous situation so that needs to be figured out um and uh the secondly um the uh, I mean, obviously, the, the thing everyone's been talking about, the commercials were just absurd for an, for a night game that was totally non-competitive, basically after the first quarter and never felt like Indiana was ever going to, you know, do anything. I mean, it was there were just too many commercials and it was a miserable experience for, you know, uh, you know, regardless of like the aesthetics of the football, Michigan winning by 20 at a night game you know, should be a fun environment. And people were totally ornery the entire game. And, you know, I would say more ornery than they normally are because <laughs> Michigan fans tend to, you know, like we're not happy unless we're complaining, but still like it was, it was absolutely like an unbearable experience. Um, and it just felt like it was never going to end. And I, I, here's the thing, right? Like I understand 
capitalism. <laughs> I understand how it works. I understand that like we, you know, we have to make money off of this, right? Like there's got to be some money in it and we got to extract the maximum value. So even in those very cynical terms of like, we, we need to extract the maximum value out of this game. Okay. Like sit me this down in front it. of like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> sit me down in front of these executives. Like I promise you, you are losing money on this because people are turning this off on TV and eventually you're going to like, you know, I know the ticket sales are nothing compared to the TV deals. All right. That's, that's fine. But you're losing ticket sales for sure. And I could probably prove to you that like you're, you're losing money on, you're losing ad, uh, you're losing viewership at least on TV too, because it, people, people like get sick and tired of turn, tuning in for, uh, you know, commercial kickoff commercial. That's totally ridiculous. And um, it's, it's, it's hurting the sport and it's probably hurting, you know, it's probably hurting their the TV executives' uh, wallets as well, and um, possibly you know, the, the, the advertisers. Because I I know right. I resent certain brands that keep popping up on my television seemingly every forty five seconds. It's uh, and and also it it maddening. makes it so that people are are more likely to change the channel in between commercial breaks, right? Like that's. If, if there's more and more commercials, you're less likely to just kind of stick around and wait for the action to start. Like Michigan games for me used to be like, I, I would watch through every commercial break because I, I didn't want to miss anything. But now it's like, it's gotten to the point where like, yeah, I'll, I'll change the channel. Like once a commercial break happens and just like risk maybe missing a little bit because I don't want to sit through like a two minutes of commercials for a kickoff. So anyway. Yeah, that was uh, that was brutal, and we're glad we're past it, and we won't belabor it because uh, that's what they did with the commercials, um, all of them. My God, uh, I'll go next because I, I think uh, I think Connor kind of builds on on what I'm going for here. Um, first, I, I want to just read off a tweet that uh, Dan made, which uh, it, don't don't run. Um, <laughs> it's about football. Um, uh, Dan pointed out that uh, last year, Ty Freifogel, um, Indiana's number one receiver, uh, had seven receptions for 142 yards and a touchdown against Vincent Gray. Uh, this year, he had zero receptions for zero yards and zero touchdowns. And uh, Dan clipped uh, a play of Gray completely locking down uh, Freifogel one-on-one uh, on a fourth and eight um, when Indiana was kind of in desperation time. and. I just want to say that like a lot of people, it, it did get like, apparently 432 likes. Nice job, Dan. Um, but there were also a lot of people. Yeah, who th- were, those are like, basic numbers from, I mean, I do that. Every day, but it's <laughs> I was waiting for that as soon as I said that. Um, there were a lot of people in the replies uh, who were like, okay, well, yeah, but the quarterback was bad. And like, uh, this Unlike is Michael Penix. Yeah. Apparent, yeah. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, first of all, yes. Like, it's not like Indiana being down to their uh, third or fourth string quarterback has really changed much about their passing game this season. Uh, and also, uh, you can just look at the coverage independent of the throw and be like, yes, that was good coverage. And then move on um, and realize that, like, no matter the circumstance, this is very much an improvement, especially given. I don't know everything else that's happened this season compared to last season. And uh, I don't know. It was just like, I, it, it didn't surprise me that the reaction was like this in some part. And I also didn't need to start talking about the reaction as much as the actual thing. Uh, but uh, Vincent Gray has improved a, a great deal and we should appreciate that. Even if they're like, I mean, we don't like 
we don't have to say he's an all-American corner. And like, you also don't have to argue with facts online. Uh, like the stat line is what it is. And there's a video attached to it. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, had to get that one out there. Um, I also wanted to just, oh, sorry, Dan, do you got something? Oh yeah. No, I was just going to say like, it's, uh, I think that it's okay to admit that. I mean, look, I, I, I would not be surprised if Vincent Gray gets torched by, by, uh, by um, Chris Olave. Okay. Yeah. In a couple of, uh, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks. And that's like, you know, that's going to be a bummer if it happens. Um, and I don't blame people for being mad about it. Um, but you know, Vincent Gray has done a really good job against, um, you know, the lesser and even some of the higher end competition um, in the league this year. And that's something he wasn't doing last year. I mean, he was getting torched by any and all comers uh, last year. So, I mean, I just, I just like to appreciate like player, like this was somebody that got more hate online, you know, I mean, just people so, who right? wanted him to leave the team. The- right. Yes. He, he got a lot of criticism and a lot of it was very justified. All right. Like I get it. Like you, you, once you strap on the helmet for Michigan, like you're going to be criticized and that's part of the game. Um, you know, which, you know, we can talk about them being unpaid and all that. And that's a whole different conversation, but it, it's part of the game. But like, I think it's just, I don't know. I think it's like nice to recognize like a, a student athlete that, you know, um, like greatly improved in the off season and uh, deserves some credit for that. You know I mean? Like he's still got a couple more years of eligibility. There's no reason he can't be, um, you know, an honorable mention, you know, big 10 performer, you know, maybe next year or whatever. And like, that's, that's a far cry from where he was when he started. And I think it's, it's worth, um, you know, acknowledging. Absolutely. And uh, going to get this one in quick. Uh, the daily's Brendan Bruce uh, put in an article last week uh, that, Hassan Haskins has a had a six foot seven inch high jump in high school and was second in uh, the state of Kansas. Uh, and they mentioned that on the broadcast Saturday night when he jumped over yet another defender. He has a ridiculous success rate and frequency rate of like just jumping over people in the not even that open field. And uh, I was mostly just surprised that. At least as far as I can remember, I don't think we'd ever heard that he was that like a very, very promising high jumper in high school. And that seems relevant when he jumps over people seemingly once a game. Uh, so shout out to Brandon Bruce of the Michigan Daily, um, a very quality student newspaper. Uh, Connor, uh, I know you've got, uh, you know, kind of building on the Vincent Gray point a little bit here. Yeah, so uh, Ace did a nice job talking about Vincent Gray's improvement. And this was a game where we went deep uh, with guys that have improved. Um, Taylor Upshaw showed out and uh, that's nice to see. He's improved a lot. Um, Luke Schoonmacher was prominently featured, two touchdowns, uh, looked like an all big 10 caliber tight end, despite being second strength for Michigan. Um, and this year in general, we've seen a lot of dramatic improvements from players. We, I think Chris Hinton is up there for me. Um, David Ojabo is one of the most improved players probably in, in the entire country, given that he went from essentially a zero kind of depth guy to one of the best edge defenders in the country. Um, and I mean, really the whole roster, basically almost everyone who contributes has like noticeably improved. Um, that happens in good programs that happens when you have good coaching and a good cohesive locker room culture, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this is like, you know, something where Michigan fans should have a little bit of humility. Uh, and football fans in general, there's there's too much of this like pervasive grading culture now where you're like, oh, I've seen three games on this guy. 
you know, we have kind of like 12 snaps of film or whatever. We know who this guy is. Like, you know, we, we can, we can now write the book on him and it's like, no, you can't. Um, the reason you pay those coaches so much, a big reason is to make your players better. Um, and even to get better over the course of the season, let alone the off season. So I, you know, I think this is one reason why coming into this year, I thought Michigan would be better than a lot of analysts thought they would be. And I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap about that. Cause even though they're only eight and one, and still have games to play and big games left to play. Eight wins is more than a lot of people have predicted. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. I think the number one reason is just that players who were disappointing last year got a lot better and are playing better. And that's the kind of thing that happens when you have a good football program. So, uh, you know, don't despair as much, folks. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just the players that were <laughs> disappointing last year who have gotten better. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is a lot better. And part of that is coaching scheme, freeing him up. But some of that is also development. I mean, he the strength that he's shown this year is amazing. And uh, the technique on the defensive line in general seems to be uh, improved. Um, there's a lot of guys breaking through who were at various levels. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Uh, Use the promo code Bucket Problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. I, as you know, a lot of these end up being personal messages to, to Homefield Connor. Um, and this one is no different because Michigan just beat Indiana. And uh, I've seen the Michigan shirt that uh, Homefield had uh, cooked up for the Michigan State game that unfortunately they could not unveil the Michigan shirt afterwards. Connor acknowledges on last week's podcast. He knows. I know it exists. It's out there. Um, they put out a Purdue shirt this week. They dropped an Indiana sticker while I was writing this ad read. Uh, and they did not put a shirt on the line in our game. So, Connor, unleash the shirt now that we have beat your beloved Hoosiers. You coward. We treat our we treat our sponsors very well. Uh, <laughs> use promo code Bucket Problem fifteen percent off your first order from the cowards at homefieldapparel.com. Um, we are now going to slide right into segment two. <laughs> um, the uh, we're uh, we're going to do a quick preview of Penn State because uh, that feels better than uh, going back over the Indiana game, which was uh, pretty straightforward and as we have mentioned, uh, very very long and boring. Um, Dan, you are the most Penn State familiar person here. I've watched <laughs> them some, but I, I will not claim to be much of an extra expert beyond being um, quite frightened of Jahan Dotson and uh, much less frightened of Penn State's run game and offensive line. Uh, so take it away. Lead us through this. Yeah, so um, on offense, uh, it was starting with, you know, I guess quarterback and working our way forward. Um, Sean Clifford is kind of like your standard uh, senior quarterback in the Big Ten, um, you know, mobile enough and big enough to be a pretty effective runner, although less so since he was hurt against Iowa, but, you know, still pretty effective. Um, he knows what he's looking at. He knows how to run the offense. Um, he usually knows where he wants to throw the ball and he has a good enough arm to get it there. Um, whether or not he throws it in the vicinity of the receiver is sort of, you know, the dice roll, um, or whether he's going to make, you know, kind of a boneheaded mistake. Um, he's, he's, you know, I, I don't think, I think last year he was really, really rough. 
Um, and this year he's improved somewhat, um, but still, you know, I don't think a game changer, I think pretty much like a, he's going to run your offense, you know, um, which is, is, is good enough sometimes with Penn state. Um, although, you know, it, it, at certain points, you know, they, they have not done enough to, they've not put enough around him to, you know, make this a really effective attack. Um, the big Achilles heel here is just the same problem that it feels like Penn state has had since, uh, I, I don't even know. I mean, when's the last time Penn state 12 somewhere in there? Probably. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I mean, it's just like they, this team simply cannot put together a functional offensive line. I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know what they, I think they hired a new offensive coordinator, a new uh, offensive line coach who was supposed to be really good last year. Um, they've got tons of talent. I mean, this offensive line, when I was doing position previews the past couple of years, they've just got, they've got top hundred guys up and down the board. It's, it's, they have more offensive, they have way more offensive line, you know, recruiting stars than Michigan has. Um, but it just, it just all comes together to like a completely underwhelming, uh, a totally, totally underwhelming um, uh, running, running team. I mean, they simply, they, they, they run pretty much zone and they just miss their targets far too often. And then even when they're hitting their targets, they get beat. Um, and then, you know, a, a also a pretty underwhelming, uh, you know, they're a little bit better in pass protection, um, but they, they, they get beat plenty there too. I mean, it's just very underwhelming. And I mean, like, this is the big thing holding this program back. I was, I was talking on Twitter with, uh, somebody that really knows X and O's, um, even more than I do. Um, and I was just saying like, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that this feels like, um, you know, it feels like if if, Ohio, if Penn State could even put together a decent level offensive line, they'd probably have one more Big Ten championship under their belt, and they'd probably be a way more consistently competing with Ohio State. Um, so, you know, this it, it's 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 not the individual pieces; it's more that they just they miss assignments and they get beat way too much. Um, so, I, I foresee Michigan dominating uh, the trenches at least on you know on uh, on Penn State's offensive side of the ball. Yeah, just to throw um, some and then statistical it, context oh, yeah, into that, um, I'm looking at Football Outsiders' offensive line stats. I don't even need to get into explaining what these stats mean. In all of the running categories, they rank 109th or worse in the country. Um, that can get all the way down to 124th. Uh, there are about 130 teams in the country that, uh, you know, that it's a bad run blocking line, not just for the big 10, but for any team in the country. And they're six or 58th in sack rate. So um, a mediocre offensive line by national standards and by big 10 standards, uh, pretty below average. Yeah. So it's rough. Yeah, I mean, what's remarkable to me as someone who doesn't know Penn State that well, like everyone hyped up their running backs coming into this year because on paper they have like so many recruiting stars and, you know, 40 times and stuff in their running backs room, which was supposed to go like five deep. And, you know, th those guys might be okay. None of them are perhaps elite, but like they can't do anything. But we've seen good games out of Noah. Like we've seen Noah Kane do some really impressive stuff and he can't do jack shit they behind can't do this they, line. They ran for like 50 some yards against Illinois. <laughs> Like, I, I feel like I could get 50 yards against Illinois, you know, like it's it's pretty uh, I, I just find that remarkable. And it seems to me like if I were to boil this down, like it, this game seems like it will come down to how good is Clifford going to be throwing on the move. He's going to have to roll out. He's mm -hmm. going to have to run for his life. And he can do that. Like he's mobile and he can throw off platform. I feel like how many like devastating throws can he make? 
while you know both Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo are chasing him um, is going to be what swings this game because they're not going to be able to move the ball on the ground. We know that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, and to, you know, to kind of piggyback off back off that um, exactly what you guys said about the running backs. Um, they've got a whole bunch of stars and they've also got a kid they picked up. I uh, love it from Baylor. Who's also very good. So when they do get these running backs, a little bit of room that they, they look very good. Um, you'd wonder what they could do in an offense that, you know, could actually run block for them. Um, but you know, they have good running backs. They've have good skill position talent everywhere. Um, the star, the star is obviously Jahan Dotson who, uh, Sort of reminds me of, you know, like KJ Hamler and other guys they've had like that um, in the past couple of years. A little bit undersized, um, but he can play the outside well. He's got great ball skills. He's got great speed. He's a really crafty receiver. Um, he's great. I mean, I think he, he should be, you know, if it wasn't for Ohio State's guys putting up video game numbers every week, I think he'd be all Big Ten. Um, you know, I think he's probably the type of guy that doesn't make a huge impact in the league, but he's a great, great college receiver. Um so he's awesome. He's going to be the number one threat. Um, they've also got other uh, competent receivers. Um, I believe, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to, I, I literally looked this up before I did the podcast, <laughs> but I, I, I want to say PJ Washington or something like that, but you know what? I'm not going to try to like, just remember off the top of my head, they have competent receivers outside of Jahan Dotson. So, you know, it's not just like double him and forget about everything else. Um, you know, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta cover everyone on the field. Parker Washington. Um, so, Parker Washington. There. Do they have the good tight ends anymore or are those guys gone? <laughs> they still have tight ends that are going to like, uh, you know, they, they do utilize their tight ends in the short passing game a lot. I like Theo um, Johnson. I don't know if they, they recruit. Oh yeah. Theo Johnson. Yeah. Theo Johnson's a guy that Michigan wanted badly. Um, but you know, no, no Mike Jasicki or, um, or uh Fryermuth level talent. Fryermuth. Yeah. yeah Fryermuth is currently huge... a hot commodity in the NFL fantasy market, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 He uh he 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 almost uh pulled pulled a win out of nowhere for me um yesterday. But <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> uh, we don't have to talk about my awful fantasy teams. Um but uh yeah he so no nobody on that level yet, but they do have like comp- they have competent receivers across the board with um you know with Jahan Dodson as like the true elite threat. Um, so, you know, like Connor said, I kind of see this game similar to the Michigan state game a little bit, um, which might be unfortunate, you know, a much different style offense. Right. But like, they're not going to probably be very down to down efficient. It's going to be about, you know, it's going to be about Sean Clifford, um, escaping and, uh, making plays with his feet and also, you know, making plays in the run, extending plays and like hitting the deep shots to John, to Jahan Dotson. Um, and how much he can do that really uh, is going to probably decide the game. Um, and, you know, on, on defense, you know, I, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet here. This, this feels like the same defense Penn State's had um, every year since like 2017 in that they're just super talented, um, probably just as talented as Michigan, maybe a little bit worse coached, a little bit more susceptible to breakdowns, um, you know, as they usually are. Uh, but like, you know, nothing to sneeze at, you know, probably the, uh, the second best defense Michigan's played this year um, besides Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I do think Michigan has Michigan's coaching staff has done a good job scheming against Penn state's defense for the most part um, in 20, 2019. Uh, I mean, 2020, it was, you know, it was a mess obviously, but uh, in, in, in 2019, they did a really good job against a good defense. And that was with an offense that had really been struggling up to that point. Um, so, you know, I feel good that Michigan's going to move the ball pretty well. Um, but you know, this is, this is like, a, I, I, 
I think it's an underrated defense because they ended up, you know, losing three games in a, in a row, but they're still pretty good. Um, they are losing PJ Mustafer, who was their best um, interior defensive lineman. So that's, that's a, definitely a hit um, considering, you know, uh, how much Michigan likes to run the ball, but, you know, I feel confident about Michigan's offense, like getting their own against this defense. Um, but it's also, you know, not like it's not a gimme. Um, so, you know, it all comes down to how well Michigan limits the big play. Um, and then, you know, which who wins like the uh, who can, you know, who can blow out the other team's offense on defense. You know what I mean? I feel like both defenses have the edge in terms of the matchup, but it's who can like win that matchup more decisively. One, one thing to note in terms of the uh, trenches battle is that Penn State has suspended uh, one of their rotation DTs, uh, Fred Hansard, for the first half of the game. Because uh, he shoved uh, Talia Tonga-Vailoa on the sideline, apparently, during the Penn State game. I did not watch that game because why? Um, but, uh, yeah. I, uh, I so saw that clip. Uh, <laughs> I saw that clip going around Twitter. And basically what happened was um, uh, Talia was going out of bounds. And that guy was out of bounds. Like, he, he sorry, that guy was on the sideline. He wasn't playing. And he just took a total cheap shot at him, like at nice. Talia running out of bounds. And uh, I was honestly shocked, like not to be a pearl clutcher here, like because I think generally a lot of hard hits and targeting and everything are like not necessarily intentional, even mm-hmm. if they are penalties. That was one where I was like some like he clearly like wound up and shoved him as like a player on the sideline. And I'm honestly surprised that they're letting him play this game at all. I know that if that was a Michigan player, and um, who had tried to pull something like that. I, I think I'd be pretty disappointed in the coaching staff if he was honestly playing with the rest of the year like that. It was really, really bad. And I've seen some bad cheap shots. Graham Couch would be like chaining himself to the Big Ten headquarters if a Michigan player did that. <laughs> there it yeah. is. Uh, anything else before we move on to this week's picks? Oh, I just want to get my brief shot at Penn State in, um, which is that uh, – so I, I looked this up because I wanted to be right about it. So Penn State, um, oh, I looked it up and wrote it down. And where did I write it down? Um, here we go. So Penn State's previous three recruiting classes uh, were 21st, 15th, and 12th on the 24-7 composite. Michigan's were 13th, 14th, and 8th. If you're keeping score at home, Michigan always had a better recruiting class uh, than Penn State over the last three years. Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin are a uh, symmetrical three and three against each other. And Michigan gets, gets more guys drafted. And I'll bet you, if you asked like the median college football fan, who wasn't a fan of either of these teams, they would probably like get skew all three of those stats towards Penn state, because the way that the media covers Penn state is that James Franklin is this genius program builder who definitely doesn't do things like go out and lose the most embarrassing game in history to Illinois. Um, (laughs) And Jim Harbaugh is this doof who's just, you know, constantly stepping on rakes. Uh, You know, meanwhile, these programs are about as perfectly matched over the last six years as it's possible to be um, and are very similar with Michigan having an edge in uh, both recruiting and players getting drafted and, and Penn state having a slight edge in the fact that they've won a big 10 title in a year where they got very lucky, but they did win one. Um, Anyway, I want to say that because it just, it just pisses me off how Penn state, like, like they go seven and five and people are just like, Oh, well they'll bounce back. Michigan has a bad season. And it's like, you know, this, this epochal event that should cause us all to reassess the history of college football. So anyway, that's my rant. (laughs) 
This has been one of our most uh, skip. I want to address this issue podcast uh, we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, just, this has been this has been like we kind of got like a delayed. We didn't have as much of a we're mad uh, episode after Michigan State. This is like we're we're really getting our getting all of our anger out here. Um, we we delayed it by a couple of weeks. <laughs> we got really ornery during that night game, and now uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and now this week's picks, uh, which are. Um, Brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 matched in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, though, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-270-7117. Last week's picks, Alex did not participate, which meant he fell behind because the rest of us uh, all finished above 500. Um, I was four and three, as was Dan, and uh, Connor reigned supreme at five and two. Um, Nice job, Connor. Damn right. (laughs) Hey, I I just want to say I had faith in the Illinois fighting Burts, despite the haters telling me not to. Yeah, um, apparently a couple of us had a little bit too much faith in P.J. Fleck. Um, We are not going to make that same mistake this week, as you will hear later. Uh, But the first game up on the docket is Northwestern at Wisconsin. That line is uh, when I checked on points bet earlier this afternoon. It was at plus 24 and moving in the direction of 24 and a half uh, over under on this one. 41 points, 41 entire points for Northwestern at Wisconsin. So I bet you can't anticipate what I'm going to do, which is slam the under. I have already done it. I have bet that under. Uh, And uh, I am feeling pretty good about it, barring a number of defensive touchdowns. Uh, So if I had to pick a a spread on this one, I'd probably lead Northwestern just because of the severely depressed number of points that should happen in this game. But um, I feel more comfortable just assuming that uh, Northwestern might not score at all and you, you don't project Wisconsin to um, get in the 35 to 40 neighborhood too often, even though I know they um, wrecked Rutgers. Uh, Connor, what's your pick? So I had faith in Northwestern as well last week, uh, and they did cover in an absolutely hideous game. Um, glorious. I predict <laughs> glorious. Uh, wish they had won, but they did cover. Um and I just think like 24 points is just too much in any game involving Wisconsin, though Wisconsin is kind of they're rolling in the sense that like they're taking care of business in the deeply uninspiring defense centric way that, you know, they often have in the past. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to steal Dan's take. So credit to him. But like Pat Fitzgerald always shows up with some stuff for Wisconsin. And I think that he can get it within three touchdowns in a game that may not have three total touchdowns scored. So yeah, Northwestern. Dan, I know you have a similar take, but uh, I know you also have a message for the people. Yeah, so um, totally agree with the take. Uh, by the way, I think Wisconsin wins easily, but 24 and a half, just like Pat Fitzgerald is going to do enough to like bog this game down. Um, he's due to do that at least one more time this year. Um, so I just want, I just do want the, uh, the credit for the fact that I said Wisconsin was still going to win the West way before they even beat Iowa. And it looks like that's about to happen. Um, and, uh, <laughs> they are, they're the number four team, by the way, in SP plus, um, on the, mostly on the back of their defense, but their offense is actually 
waking up a little bit. Graham Mertz has been a lot better the past few weeks. Now we'll see what he does against a real defense, but you know, I, uh, I just want that credit. Um, there's no, you know, there's no joke here or anything. I just want everyone to admit that I was right about Wisconsin um, and that I know more about football than uh, you do. So, you know, whatever. Uh, there it is. Um, Michigan is a pick against Penn State. Uh, there is no favorite in this game. Over under uh, 48 and a half. Uh, I initially picked Michigan and then, Connor and Dan both put down Michigan in our show notes. And I started getting uncomfortable with uh, the idea of all of us picking Michigan once again, considering uh, our track record on such things. But then I remembered that we did that for the Indiana game and that worked out fine. Um, So while yes, Jahan Dotson, I'd still believe is the best playmaker in what could be a pretty ugly game. We talked through Penn state's issues on the offensive line. Uh, now they get to block David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. And I just think those two game wreckers are um, going to make more of a difference than Jahan Dotson's whatever advantage he gives Penn State's offense versus Michigan's offense in terms of ability to put points on the board. So um, I'm going with Michigan. uh, And uh, apparently you can get this for um, they just have to win the game. And uh, I've already spoiled it. Connor and Dan both believe the same thing. Uh, we have talked through this game a fair amount. Do you guys have any final thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing I'll say is that you know, I think I think Penn State's going to try to get the ball out really quickly, early and often. Um, so, you know, how how Michigan tackles and adjusts to that is is really critical. But I do think you know eventually they're going to have to pass the ball, get into passing downs. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to run the ball effectively. I just feel like Michigan's defensive front versus Penn State's offensive line is a bigger matchup problem than Jahan Dotson versus this secondary. I think Michigan can do enough to limit him, you know, bracket him, whatever they have to do. Um, and then I think Michigan's just going to get theirs on offense, which it feels like they, they tend to do, you know, even against, uh, even against pretty good defenses. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going, I am going with Michigan, um, given that it's a pick and I'm a little bit surprised they're not at least like a three point favorite, but you know, I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty good read on both these teams, which means that I'm definitely going to be wrong again. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, that, I just, how it goes. the reason I feel pretty good about this game, which Michigan could very much lose because, you know, it's a solid team and they're on the road. Um, it's just that, like, this is not a Frames Janklin joke at all. Like, Michigan is clearly a much better coached team than Michigan State. Like, that's just very clear. It goes back to our takes about improved players this year. Penn State has been shooting themselves in the foot and has seen players not improve as much, and Michigan's got guys uh, playing at a high level. I just, I, I like Michigan in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, next up is the spoiler makers, Purdue, plus 20 at Ohio State. Purdue coming off of that victory over Michigan state, the uh, total for this game, 61 on the nose. Uh, Boy, we all did this. Um, (laughs) We've got, we are all taking Purdue. Uh, I've got the Boilermakers uh, just because 20 is a pretty big number. And um, yeah, I I mean, they seem to have a little something for good teams. Ohio state has not looked um, unbeatable on defense, even as they have uh, rounded into form this season. And yeah, 20 is a lot. Um, so that, that, 
that's my feel. Although uh, now looking at us all picking it, I'm expecting Ohio State to win like 73-4. But uh, Connor, what's your pick? I mean, the thing that the thing for me is that Ohio State is back to looking mortal again, which is not me saying Michigan's going to beat them, but they have definitely looked, you know, quite mortal against both Penn State and uh, Nebraska. And um, Purdue can score. So 20 points is just way, way, way too much. So you got to go with Purdue here. Yeah, I feel like this is my like lock of the week. I, I don't, I, it just feels, I mean, so Purdue went to Nebraska and beat them pretty handily um, on the road. And uh, Ohio State just played a pretty competitive team with Nebraska. And, you know, I know transitive property and all that, but like if you're telling me those two teams are 20 points apart, um, that just feels like too much for me. Um, so I think Ohio State wins this game probably pretty comfortably, but I think Purdue covers uh, 20, 20 points. Just I mean, Purdue has a solid defense and they've got good offensive playmakers and a pretty good quarterback. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Again, with this, the fact that I feel like feel really good about this means that I'm definitely wrong. But uh, I, I, I see Purdue covering. Yeah, I, I do think the. Uh... Uh, even if Ohio State rocks Purdue, that the fact that they have a competent offense means the uh, the backdoor cover potential for this game is pretty high. Um, so, yeah, 20 is a lot. Um, the Sickos game of the week is without a doubt. Uh, well, actually, it's the one we dropped from uh, this picks uh, <laughs> list this week. Uh, that would be uh, Rutgers facing Indiana. Nobody wants anything to do with that. But um Minnesota plus six at Iowa, uh, the total for this game, 37 don't want anything to do with this. I don't want the total. I don't want to trust PJ Fleck. I don't want to trust Iowa's offense. I want nothing, nothing to do with this. This is one of the most betting stay away games I have seen all year in a year that has had plenty of them. Um, Connor, you have a a similar take. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like when you're playing a single player first person shooter and you open a door and you immediately realize what you have to do is like throw a bunch of grenades in and then back away. Uh, that's that's what this game is for me. <laughs> like my thoughts on Minnesota are well known. My thoughts on Iowa are well known. I I look at that scoreline and I don't even know what to think. I'm like it like it it I literally can't read it. It like scrambles my brain. So I am not betting this one. This is actually my first pass of the year because like I have no idea what the hell is going to happen in that game, but it's going to be hideous. Back away from it slowly, folks. Oh, man. Uh, just uh, keep the grenades away from the uh, children's hospital, please. Um, Dan, you just have pass written in all caps. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is just, I mean, like, just like Connor said, it's like I have zero. I say everything. I say something about every game, at least. Zero read on either of these teams. Minnesota just is all over, all over the place. And, um, and uh, Iowa, I mean, I guess they're more predictable, but like, they also seem to be, you know, just like totally turnover dependent. So yeah, do not bet this game. Yeah, I haven't gone back and back and checked, but I don't know if I've bet a or even picked a Minnesota game correctly all year. I I just cannot figure out when they are going to win or lose. Uh, last game on the docket, which thankfully is still only at four o'clock in the afternoon. The Big Ten has passed on having a night game this week. Maryland, but also um Screw y'all for last week. I've said the F-bomb enough in this podcast. Sorry to the parents. Uh, Maryland, plus 13, moving towards plus 12 and a half uh, when I checked at Michigan State. Over under for this one, 61 and a half. I'm picking the Spartans to bounce back. Uh, I know Purdue just got them, and boy, was that glorious. But I don't know. Maryland's another team that I just have 
very little trust in. They, uh, it's not September. I know we say this every week, but it's really, really true with Maryland. They just are a bad football program when you get into October and particularly November. Uh, I think Michigan State just runs all over them. This is a game that boosts Kevin. They're going to be like trying to get style points for both. Like if they have to re-enter the playoff conversation with a with a loss on there, because that could happen conceivably and. I would guess they'd be on the outside looking in, even if they went out, um, unless a lot of weird stuff happens. So they're going to be looking to stunt on Maryland a little bit here and also boost Kenneth Walker's uh, Heisman profile. Uh, I'm picking State. Um, and I think I'm alone on this island. Connor, who you got? I mean, my thing with, with, with Michigan State, which retrospectively makes me even a little bit more frustrated with that loss, if that's possible, is I guess they just can't stop a decent passing offense and Maryland does seem to have that. And I, I hate saying that. Cause like, you know, who knows what they might do. They might throw five interceptions cause it's November and they're Maryland. But I think 13 points is just a lot given that Maryland can score and that Michigan state's defense has been exposed a little bit recently. So yeah, going with Maryland. All right, Dan, we're finishing it out with you. Yeah, so um, I think I think Michigan State wins with the better team, and Maryland is just kind of like this. They're sort of like less good Nebraska in that they shoot themselves in the foot, but instead of losing by like one score, they lose by three. Um, and uh, I, uh, but I, but I do think that they're going to cover um, only because it feels like every competent quarterback in the league just has like their best career day against Michigan State's secondary. Um, and part of that is, you know, they, they're bend but don't break and all that. But I feel like I feel like Maryland's offense is a really good matchup. They'll, they'll really take what, you know, they're given. Um, and they've got some really good receivers. And, and Talia is, like, you know, very competent, um, you know, when he's not throwing back-breaking interceptions. So um, I, I, feel like, I feel like Maryland's going to put up, like, 450 yards on this defense um, and still manage to lose by, like, 10. But that, that, that means a cover. So, um, you know, uh, I, will, I will take Maryland and the points. All right. That is it for our picks that this week. And that is also it for this week's show. Um, if you missed it, uh, we did also drop a two hour long hoops preview, which is why uh, Alex is not on this podcast. He has put in his work this week. Um, so if you, if you haven't done so already, you can go back, listen to that. Um, and uh, I'm about to take off and uh, watch the women's basketball game, which tips off uh, right about now uh, for the season opener. Please follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast. Uh, rate us, review us, uh, subscribe to this podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Use the promo codes Bucket Problem at homefieldapparel.com and Bucket Prob at, on the Points Bet, Bet app and uh, listen to that Hoops Preview podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week and have a good one.